Collage. Bric-a-brac. Montage. Mosaic. Pastiche. Bricolage. What did you think of when you heard these words? Perhaps you thought of a medley or assortment of different objects, or an artwork using a mixture of materials. All denote a similar notion, the idea of an assemblage, a potpourri of different things combined together to create something new. I'm Maria Laura Di Domenico from the Open University Business School, and this podcast is called Making It Up As You Go Along, Business as Bricolage. It is part of a series called Entrepreneurial Lives, which is all about exploring the everyday realities of people who run their own businesses. I use the concept of bricolage, the idea of making do with what is at hand, such as resources, people, ideas and know-how, in new and creative ways, to explore real-world approaches by entrepreneurs to address the problem of resource acquisition for their businesses. Resourcefulness is a central concept in the study of entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurs are often innovative in trying to create something unique from what is available to them. Many entrepreneurs are constrained by having to operate in resource-poor environments. They may not have enough cash, assets, market penetration, raw materials or expertise about a particular product or service, for instance. So how do they get round this? For me, entrepreneurs are often bricolers. They are tinkerers, improvising, imagining... Playing, creating, experimenting and searching for opportunities to make novel use of what is around them. Creatively reconfiguring a collection of available things in an innovative way or for a different purpose has been used in many different disciplines such as literature, art and music. It involves the construction or creation of something new from things that happen to be available or that you can get hold of. We see this happening around us in everyday life. Recycling is now in vogue. Now usurped by the likes of eBay, the corner bric-a-brac shop would have all kinds of odds and ends available, a squirrel's paradise. In literature, bricolage is used to refer to a piece of writing, created from existing pieces or previous stories that have been incorporated into a new narrative. This technique is also used in drama and theatre. In visual art, an artist can create a collage or mosaic from various materials or objects to signify something new. For example, the famous bed by Tracy Emin, a piece of art comprising a dishevelled double bed featuring some of her highly personal belongings. And in folk music, kitchen implements and other everyday objects are used in new ways to create sound, such as Irish spoons, the washboard, gum leaf humming and the largophone made from a stick and bottle tops. The musical theatre production called Stomp is a recent favourite of mine. Dancers perform acrobatics on stage while creating contemporary music with empty oil drums, newspapers, pots and pans, old kitchen sinks and brooms. The term bricolage is French in origin. In common parlance, it's often used to refer to DIY or do-it-yourself. So it's about being creative and resourceful, using whatever materials are at hand for a new and different purpose. The anthropologist Claude Lévy-Strauss introduced the concept of intellectual bricolage in his book La Pensée Sauvage, The Savage Mind. Sure, you're meant to be flexible, but you're also instructed on the importance of meticulous forward planning and having solid business plans. So a bricolorial approach seems almost counterintuitive, even foolish. Yet this is the approach that many entrepreneurs have said they actually used in practice. 
being able to change direction, being open-minded to opportunities and not too wedded to plans and forecasts, even when these had been devised. Sarah Hodgkins runs an interior design business, Charlotte Designs. She has a high regard for this fluid and organic approach. Be flexible. It's amazing to me how often the most successful businesses are those that have evolved and maybe they started off doing one thing, thinking that they would be going down a particular track, but have veered off because something's come along that was of interest that they found that they were good at. And I think if you allow yourself to to grow organically, get yourself known for something that's quite specific and be excellent at it and be known for being excellent at it, you're far more likely to succeed than having a plan and just not deviating from that and being too rigid. We live in a society now where things change very quickly and what was right and what was done a year ago is not what's being done now and is certainly not what's going to be done in a year's time. So I think you have to be I think you have to be more fluid than perhaps you did 10, 20 years ago and just allow yourself to develop and take opportunities and follow a path that, that appears in front of you rather than trying to battle through something that is maybe not going to take you to where you want to be. And that's how you found your business to be quite organic. and um... Definitely. When I first started, I was much more of a mainstream interior designer. I didn't think the murals were going to be such an important part of what I do. But because it's something that's quite unique, um, there's no one else around here that really does it in the same way that I do, it became apparent quite quickly that that was going to be what was going to be the differentiator, make me stand out from the crowd. So I've just capitalised on that really and used it as the, um, as the flag for, for Charlotte Designs. And it's worked. The Entrepreneurs' Business Network is often instrumental to providing access to knowledge, information and resources. Entrepreneurs also use personal networks such as family, friends and mentors in order to access support, skills and experience. The social networking platform LinkedIn is an example of this type of networking. So as the saying goes, it's often who you know and not what you know when it comes to creating and developing your business. Women in Business Network is an organisation that I belong to that helps me to tap into other women who are experts in their field. So it's great for me that if I want some photographs taken of a particularly good um, interior that I've done, I've got photographers I can just phone up and say, could you come and do something for me? And, you know, web designers, graphic designers, printers, all these kinds of people now, I can, um, I'm a good directory for this kind of thing. Photography business owner Kate Hopewell-Smith also invests time in networking with other businesswomen in order to build her resource base. I found my accountant through networking and I've been able to refer friends for um, independent financial advisors or building websites. It's incredible the range of businesses that you come across via networking. Many entrepreneurs have to bootstrap. This is when entrepreneurs avoid using finance raised from external investors such as venture capital, public equity or loans. So, for example, the entrepreneur who's bootstrapping would perhaps instead choose to invest their own savings in the business rather than getting a loan. They might try to multitask or learn new skills in order to do more things themselves to reduce the expense involved in hiring someone else. Or they might try to get advice or expertise given to them pro bono as a goodwill gesture or as an IOU. Or they might share equipment or staff with other firms to reduce costs. Here's Sarah Hodgkins again on how she has made do with limited resources in running her business. 
My first website is probably a really good example. I decided to build it myself to mm. cut cost. And I am not a technical person, so that was a bit of a challenge, quite a few late nights. And it wasn't great. It got me up and running. It got me a web presence, which I do think is extremely important, even for very small businesses. Looking back now, it was nowhere near as good as the professional website I have now, but it got me up and running. I still design a lot of my own literature. I still design all my leaflets, um, handouts, brochures, that kind of thing. Because I have a design eye, I can do that and save the cost of someone else doing it. And I think just keeping an eye on what works and what doesn't, nothing upsets me more than seeing people spending money out on advertisements or things that just aren't working for them. So making sure that you keep accurate records of what works for you in terms of marketing is extremely important so that you don't waste money. And if something doesn't work, don't do it again. Try something else. And if that does work, repeat it. And I think that's that's the key thing for keeping an eye on, uh, on marketing costs at the very beginning. So key approaches of the entrepreneur's bricoleur then are making do with what is at hand and recombining them for new purposes, refusing to be constrained by the limitations they are faced with, and improvisation. I've researched the small hotel of bed and breakfast, where owners often convert their private homes into hospitality businesses. This is an example of making do with what is at hand, as the home is modified for the new purpose of running a bed and breakfast. I went to meet David Meek, who did exactly that with his bed and breakfast business, number 68. Well, it came about through a coincidence of several things. A couple of years before we started, we were both made redundant, having been in a job which, well, well, for the best part of a quarter of a century. And uh, we then did a couple of different things, and uh, it coincided with somebody knocking on the door who'd done the quotation and planning for when we had a new gas boiler and said, did you want to sell your house because I'm looking for a place with a granny annex? And we thought, no, we don't really want to sell the house, but that put a thought in our mind that we actually wanted to stay where we were and we didn't want to move away or, or downsize. We realised we had a big asset that we could use. Another example is the idea of using discarded resources for new purposes. For instance, where entrepreneurs are able to tap local resources that other organisations have failed to recognise or value. So the business model of the socially oriented Furniture Resource Centre based in the city of Liverpool is based on the collection, refurbishment and resale of domestic furniture which is no longer needed by its owners. This is also the business model of the London-based Greenworks which specialises in recycling office furniture. The furniture is donated to these organisations, which then refurbish and sell them on. I think we uh, were very creative and we used and abused people when it was our very busy times. You know, we'd get anybody in to come and help us cut and bag the labels, take the cheques down to the bank to bank them, enter data on the PC. It was very much about um, getting as much help as we could for very little, you know, maybe some labels in return for their children rather than actually paying for them for their time at the beginning. You know, living in a village, good local network, um, people are very willing to help to get the business off the ground. That was Jo Winchcombe describing the early days of setting up her company, Simply Stuck, which produces clothing labels for children. As we've heard, entrepreneurs may need to think laterally. Improvising is all about trial and error. Within the constraints of the limited resources available, it's all about trying out different approaches until you can come up with the one that is the best fit or works best. 
So, for example, sharing or swapping goods or skills as a form of barter or exchange if there is a scarce supply of ready cash to actually pay for what is needed. The website swapaskill.com comes to mind, where people can exchange goods and advice in lieu of payment. For me, it's vital that the entrepreneur's bricoleur needs to create something that will be valued by someone else. This is a must if the business is to succeed. Through their networks, the entrepreneur must also bring others on board. I call this stakeholder participation. That way, they will be able to access a lot of interest and goodwill, and may even be able to avoid challenges or people trying to put obstacles in their way to make life difficult. So, for me, bricoleurs are also master persuaders. They'll often be political actors, and they'll know what's going on in the community and the interests and agendas of different groups. For example, I interviewed an entrepreneur who ran a social enterprise, an organisation with social and environmental as well as business goals. He wanted to set up a wind farm, but in order to do this, he first needed to secure the consent of a local landowner and farmer, as the wind turbines would be on his land. He told me that it took him a while to develop a relationship and the trust he needed to secure his agreement. So his first meeting with him was across the farm gate. The next meeting he met in a cowshed, and it took a few attempts until he got in the kitchen. It took a few years until he got a cup of tea, and eventually secured his agreement. Overall, then, the entrepreneurial bricoleur has a resourceful, persistent approach. They often make do with what is at hand, reconfigure objects, skills, or ideas for a completely new purpose. They think of ways around the constraints they face and improvise where they can. Always aiming to come up with things of value, they often have to persist and persuade others to get them to participate in what they are trying to achieve. In the next podcast, I will unpack the notion of the lifestyle entrepreneur. The Open University. Entrepreneurial Lives was written and presented by Dr. Maria Laura Di Domenico, lecturer in organizational behavior. For more information, go to the Open University Business School at www.open.ac.uk/obs.